All right. Hey, good morning. Good morning. I am Pastor Raul. You may uh, get a visitor of a pastor in training, my daughter, Adelaide. She doesn't often uh, get to see me and not go where I am. <laughs> We're going to have to see how this goes. Hi. Hi. Are you going to hang out with me while we talk about God? All right. Let's eat some fruit snacks, too. Well, let me say to you, let me say to you, <laughs> uh, Jesus is risen. Jesus is risen. All right. And today I know it's not Easter, right? We're actually in the season, what's called Easter tide, right? It's the, it's the, the time between the resurrection and Pentecost where we get to experience and consider what the life of Christ in us actually means. All right, so this is a time that is like just pregnant with anticipation. It's just expectant and waiting for what the Lord says that he will do. Fulfillment of the promise of the Father for us. That is the receiving of our inheritance, the Spirit of God. We are the disciples waiting in the city between resurrection and Pentecost, and we're waiting and we're watching, and we're praying. Today, at North, it is the beginning of a new sermon series, an eight-week sermon series on discipleship called The Invitation, right? And today isn't about a presentation from me, but an invitation from the Lord for you. Because the truth is, is that a sermon from me isn't going to change your life, but a divine appointment with God will. That life-changing moment where we know, not with our head, but with our heart, that the light of all life, God, resides in us. Yes. You would like those fruit snacks? Would you want to go back to mama? Shh, shh. Don't say anything. Shh, shh. She's doing it. She's doing it. <laughs> it's the best. Kids are the best. All right. <laughs> you know, in this sermon series, as we prepare ourselves to be challenged to a life of following and living for Jesus, I believe that God wants us to know that he prepares each of us with a divine gift that makes us both want and to be able to live out God's good purposes in our life. All you need for the journey has been given to you through your inheritance from God. And so, I, I, you know, Nathan already opened the red envelope for us, I think. Or did you open it yet? It was sealed. It was sealed. You weren't supposed to. No. Uh, so let's, let's just kind of, I want to I open that real quick. We've, uh, it's, it's got three things in it that are really significant. The one we just talked about is uh, the invitation to the zoo. This, this is uh, all church worship. We haven't done this in many years, but this is an opportunity for all six of our campuses to come together in one place and uh, actually worship together. So what's cool about this is that admission is free. 
right? So this is a perfect opportunity for you to invite uh, people in your life that you've been praying for, friends, family, bring them to the zoo, right? And then we can worship together, and then you can go and see the monkeys afterwards, right? Like, it's a really cool, it's a really cool opportunity. Um, the next is this, uh, this card that actually shows what the whole sermon series that we're about to enter into, the invitation, what the whole, what, what each week is going to be about, so this can kind of help you prepare ahead, pray ahead, and consider what the Lord is, uh, may do in your heart as we go through this discipleship sermon series. Now, the last card is a response card. And I don't want you to fill this out yet. I just want you to hold on to this, right? So it asks you two things. Question to consider my next step. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to consider and have us listen what the Lord might be inviting us to, what question he may be asking of us, what next step he might be inviting us to. Now, in the back, you're going to see a variety of activities kind of formatted under our values, gather, grow, and go. There are a number of opportunities here. There's a number of ways to respond. We're even going to talk about one that's specific to North at the end of the service that isn't even on here. There's a number of things that we can do. But the first thing we must do is consider what the Lord is inviting us to. That's the most powerful thing. What the Lord wants to do in and through our lives Thank you, Micah. And consider how the Lord may be inviting us to take a next step with the Spirit of God. So again, before we can talk about this matter of discipleship that this whole series is, is going to lead us through over these next eight weeks, I believe we must first talk about the promise of the Father that he has given to us, his people a promise for his children of the same spirit that baptized Jesus when he went into the water with John. The same spirit that had the power to resurrect Christ from the dead. That same spirit is what the Father's promise is all about. See, Jesus tells his disciples, his brothers and his sisters, that they must not leave the city in order to receive the promise, in order to receive this gift. As opposed to the disciples' failure in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus said, stay awake one hour and pray with me. And what did they do? Are we asleep? <laughs> they fell asleep, right? And now Jesus says, wait in the city. Stay awake. Pray, wait, watch. It's like a redemption for them. And they are waiting and watching for what the Father had promised so that they may receive it in full. Acts 2.38 says this. So in our readings, this is the end of Peter's sermon. He has come to his conclusion that, that the Jesus that you crucified, he was both Lord and Christ, the one that you were waiting for, that the prophets and the Psalms and all of the law talked about. He is the one you have crucified. And they were cut to the heart. And they asked, what should we do? So he says this, change your hearts and lives 
Each of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, your children, and all who are far away. Are you kind of surprised that the promise wasn't the Sunday school answer of Jesus? Are you just a little surprised, right? Because the truth is, it's, it's interesting that the promise that God gives is actually the Holy Spirit that comes into us and allows us to partake in a portion of God's life. To partake in a portion of God's life. See, this is what the psalmist meant when he wrote, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely, I have a delightful inheritance. I'm, you know, I suppose that the psalmist had a nice home, perhaps had land and animals and space, beautiful space, but that is not what the psalmist is talking about, about the boundary lines have fallen in a pleasant places for them. The psalmist is talking about their portion with God when he says, the Lord, you Lord, are alone my portion. The inheritance of the Spirit comes with the privilege to partake in God's life. This kind of promise has never been made before. This kind of promise has never been fulfilled ever before. And yet, this is the promise that God has made to all, to partake in a portion of God's life. Can we just marvel at the awesomeness and the one-of-a-kindness that this reality, that our God would share participation in God's life with us, his creation? There is no God like our God. There is no God like our God. All the saints and the early church fathers wrote tomes about the beautiful mystery that was the ongoing salvation. So not just the moment of faith, but the ongoing work of salvation in our lives about this invitation God makes to us to become like God. Not be God, but become like God. You see, before Christ... This kind of consideration would certainly be blasphemous, right? This is actually what Jesus was charged with and, and put on the cross for, was to say he was like God. For no one had ever seen God, right? Who had ever seen God and imagined that they could be like God? But when Jesus, when Jesus put on flesh and made himself known to us, we now see who we should become like. Nothing in our natural bodies, though, nothing in our natural bodies is able to comprehend or to know what it is to become like God, right? It is only by the grace of the Spirit's triumph in us that God can begin acting in and shaping us, we, the image of God, to become like His Son, Jesus Christ. Praise the Father for his worthiness, for his, his, the worthiness of his promises. Praise the Son who has made a way on the cross. Praise the Spirit of God, our inheritance, who makes God's life available in us. 
Let me give you an example. So imagine that you received an inheritance. Millions, billions of dollars. More than you could ever comprehend or, or understand or count. And you do the very natural thing that you would do if you received a million and a billion dollars. You go and you buy all the things you want, right? Like you go out and you buy the nice house and you buy land and you get a car and you get the toys and you get a new base because the one that you have kind of buzzes when you plug it into the PA. <laughs> Wink. You know what I'm saying? You go and you do all those things, right? But at the end of that, once you've gone on your spending spree and you bought everything you imagined, you still have millions and billions left over. What is your responsibility with all of that overflow, with all of that excess? What is your obligation? What's your privilege and responsibility to do with all that you've been given? With this inheritance from God, the Holy Spirit, your first responsibility is to actually open the gift that you've been given or to let that gift open you. Philippians 2.13 says this, God in you is the one who enables you to want and to actually live out his good purposes. God enables you to want to live the new life that he has put inside you. So let God, the Spirit in you, enable you to change your heart and your mind. That was in both readings today. Change your hearts and minds. This is the work of the Spirit I have seen most prominent in this community. A willingness to let the Spirit of God change us. The work in us. The work of the Spirit in us leads to profound life change. It leads to the shaping of new godly character. It even uh, uh, brings out the fruit of the Spirit in us. This is what the Spirit of God does when the Spirit gets inside of us. This is the Spirit's function in us. And also, because Spirit speaks to Spirit, Spirit is vital in the creation of Christian community, in koinonia, because Spirit will recognize Spirit in another. And that is the basis of our community. That's what makes this community different, is that the Spirit of God resides in each member, working and, and sharing life together. But the Spirit's inheritance to us is much more than just the forming of our Christian character in us. If we have been given such a great inheritance from God, to partake in God's life, what's our obligation to give it away? What's our honor and privilege to do among those that God loves and seeks him? Again, Philippians 2.13, God in you is the one who enables you to want and to actually live out his good purposes. To actually live out his good purposes and the only way we can do that is when spirit falls upon us or clothes us in power to live out his good purposes. So our reading from Luke at the end of that passage 
It says this, Jesus talking to them, he's just opened their minds in the scripture and told them all these things about who he is, and he says this to them. Listen, listen. Look, I'm sending to you what my father promised, what my father promised, but you are to stay in the city until you have been furnished with heavenly power. When we are given power from God, heavenly power, it is not for our sake. When we are given the power of the Spirit, it is so that we can go out and do His good purposes for others to know and believe and follow Jesus Christ. Here's an example. Acts 2-3. What happens on the day of Pentecost? They're all together. They're all gathered again, right? They were just at Passover, where Jesus was crucified. 50 days later, they're gathering again for the festival of Pentecost. All the faithful Jews in community, all together, right? We talked about this on Palm Sunday. The Romans are there watching, making sure things don't get out of hand. And this is what happens. They saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as Spirit enabled them to speak. And then what happens after this event? Who stands up? Who stands up? Peter stood with the other 11 apostles. He raised his voice and he declared his sermon. The first sermon of the church. Because Peter, not in his flesh, but in the Spirit of God who had baptized him and filled him, he speaks a profound word to the people that brought 3,000 to belief that day. Let's also consider our Lord Jesus Christ. Because when he went to be baptized by John, and he went down into the waters and he came back up, what came down from heaven? The Spirit in the form of a dove. And that dove, did it go into him? No. No, that Spirit in the form of a dove alighted on Jesus Christ. It rested upon him. And it was from that moment that Jesus goes off into his public ministry. Jesus had no, not done any work of power or miracle or sign before the Spirit of God comes down upon him and rests on him for power. The Spirit upon us for power is to fulfill God's good purposes. And His purpose is that all would come to love and enjoy Him through following His Son, Jesus, and being filled themselves with the Spirit. But I tell you, no one is going to change an iota of their schedule. No one is going to change anything about their family life. They're not going to disrupt it. They're not going to change their soccer schedule. They're not going to do anything to disrupt the family life if they don't believe that coming here and meeting God will change their lives. No one's going to change their lives unless they believe that God can touch them <laughs> and change them in all the things that they struggle with. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about the quenching of fear and anxiety. I'm talking about physical healings and the healings of the deep family wounds that we all carry with us. 
I'm talking about freedom from harassing spirits, from addictions, from hopelessness. I'm talking about those wounds in you that you've tried to fix and you've tried to resolve and you've gone to doctors and you've tried to do it in yourself, but you can't resolve it or fix it. And so you quietly resolve to just live your life believing this is my lot. Do you believe that God can touch you with his power even today? Because I tell you, if you do not believe it and you cannot bring yourself to believe it, your neighbor will not either. Church, I believe that God wants to bring many to faith in this church and in this city your friends and your family that you've been praying for. But I believe and feel God is waiting for us. God is just waiting for us to collectively believe in the power of the Spirit. I believe God wants to release us from being a church that just wants to know about God with our heads and to become a church that is open to experiencing the touch and the power of God to change our lives. He's waiting for us to give up our headiness, thinking we know him, and to really open ourselves up to experience him. For Jesus, Jesus didn't call his disciples to just believe in him, did he? When he went up to their boats and he went up to their, their places of work and he called them, he said, Believe in me. No. Christ said, follow me. Change your hearts and lives and follow me. So likewise, he calls us to believe, to not just believe in him with our heads, but to follow him with our hearts by opening ourselves up to the power of the Holy Spirit. To be baptized in the Holy Spirit just like he was baptized and submitted himself and opened himself to the Spirit of God for the power of his ministry. That's what he wants us to do, to be like him in that way. And I have to say that as your pastor, I feel like I need to take, to take ownership, ownership over the fact that perhaps I have not told you and I have not taught you that if we want to be baptized in the Spirit and filled with the Spirit of God for that kind of power, we must ask for it. I must take responsibility for not teaching you that although God gives, when we believe in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God fully fills us. We are given 100% of the Spirit, no ifs, and or buts, like just full stop. The Spirit of God is in us. But the Spirit of God has dynamic ways in which the Spirit works in us. And by faith, by asking for God to baptize us and fill us with the Spirit of God, God will be faithful to give us that. For what, you know, God our Father, if we ask him for good things, why would he hold it back from us? Even earthly fathers who are evil know how to give their children good gifts when they ask. So Luke eleven thirteen 13 says this, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is our scripture. These are our promises. 
So let us not be timid, for the Spirit in us is one of power and of love and enables us to seek our Father and look for this Spirit that will work in us for power. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Even the children, even the children want to call this out. Because look, as we seek it, as we seek, we must not only, well, let me say it this way. The work that God has for us is beyond us. But the promise, the promise is for everyone, right? Again, Peter, Peter ends his sermon saying this, this promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord God invites. Church, it must be you. It must be you who open yourselves up to the Spirit of God, to ask for the baptism of the Spirit, to expect that power from God will come to us, because you are the ones who are the hands and feet of Christ. I get to have this call and this burden of speaking to you, but I cannot live out your faith. You must be the ones who seek the Spirit of God and do that which is beyond all of us to do. Come on, let me, let me give you some examples here. The power of your witness is what I want to talk to you about. The power of your witness in believing and opening yourselves up so that others may experience the light of God in you. It's kind of like when you go online shopping. When you go online shopping, right, do you actually read the manufacturer's kind of details about their product, right? Now, you, you, you might read it, but you don't believe it, right? Because it's just like they're just putting it on. They're just kind of saying whatever they want to get you to buy the product. No, you scroll on down, you scroll down, and you find the reviews. The reviews of real people, maybe, I know some people have jobs about, forget that. Uh, reviews that you read from real people that say, hey, this product was bunk, don't buy it, or no, 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 it's actually pretty legit. It looks kind of weak with the pictures, but it's good. You should, you should buy it. Jesus isn't a product and you're not consumers. Okay, so let, new, new, new example. Let's think about the family, like a familial example, right? It's kind of like when mom and dad say to their teenager, you should probably wear deodorant before you go and hang out with your friends, right? Like, I, I love you. I love you. And they're like, you have to say you love me. And so they blow off mom and dad. But when their brother or sister says, no, you, you really should put on some deodorant before you go and hang out with friends, they might just listen. Like in the same way, it's like pastors can be up here and they can say, open your hearts and lives to the spirit of God because that spirit will change your life. And you can be like, okay, I know you pay to say that. You got to say that, right? No, but when you say, when you have real life experiences being changed and touched by the Spirit of God, and you share your lives with one another, or you share your life with your friend who you've been praying for, or your family member that is just resistant, they might just listen to you because of who you are, because of the Spirit of God in you, because you're brothers and sisters, and you can hear what one another has to say. The power of the Spirit at work in your life matters to those in your circles that are looking for freedom. And how you follow Christ, your discipleship, now we're finally on to discipleship. All of that was the gateway 
to discipleship. How you follow Christ, your discipleship will allow others to see love, hope, and the light of Christ in you and desire it for themselves. So we see that the power of the Spirit and the life of discipleship are primarily for others to see the light of Christ in us and believe and follow Jesus Christ. That is the purpose of the power of God and our discipleship. Imagine it this way. King Jesus, who is the light of life, comes and sits on the throne of the hearts of all believers. We kind of did this imaginative exercise on Palm Sunday. He is a radiant light that consistently shines from his throne within us. He is, through our life, through our decision, he's shining out to others in our life. But sin in our lives or the, the prisons that keep us captive, especially rebellious and ongoing sin, the decision to, to consistently do that which God no, you know God doesn't want you to do. This kind of sin is like a heavy, dark cloth that is laid over the light of Christ in us. See, nothing will ever extinguish the light of Christ. Remember like he was transfigured on the mountaintop? That kind of bleached, white, bright light is always shining, consistently shining. Don't, no, Michelle won't like that. She won't like that. No, no. <laughs> that kind of light in us is always shining. But our sin, this blanket, it kind of prevents how far that light of Christ can shine into the lives of others. The goal of our discipleship, and this is what I want you to take into the rest of the series. <laughs> I'm so sorry about this. No, 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 no. Oh, my goodness. Go, go on. You see mama? Go to mama. Go to mama. Thank you. Sorry, Michelle. <laughs> okay. It might have been a perfect break to tell you about the goal of deception. Okay. Now I got your attention. This is what I want you to take into the rest of the series. The goal of discipleship is to let the light in us shine through our conformed to Christ lives, which confirm Jesus' work on the cross so some may believe and follow Jesus. I want you to take that into the rest of the series and, and think on all the various topics that we talk about. They're not just for you. We're not trying to just beat you into being holy. Just for holiness sake. No. We're trying to allow the light of Christ that is in each of us to be shown and demonstrated to those in our lives by pulling off that dark cloth. When we allow ourselves to be baptized by the Spirit for power, we will be given not only the authority uh, over the areas of sin in our life, but we will also be given spiritual gifts enabling us to fulfill our role in the body of Christ. Freedom from sins and prisons that hold us captive is necessary to have the freedom to love and enjoy God, to have the freedom to be empowered by his spirit and let Christ shine for, to, for others to see and to believe. 
That's why at the conclusion of this discipleship series, we are going to have a class that is dedicated specifically to freedom. Freedom from our sins and our, uh, what holds us captive, what keeps us in prisons, and the freedom for loving others and letting Christ's light shine out of us. So you'll see that, some more information about that in your bulletin today. All of what we've talked about today. Freedom from sin and our prisons, spirit coming into us through faith, spirit upon us for power to fulfill his good purposes, and our desire and ability to live a life of discipleship. All these things, all these things come through the grace of God. Grace that ever increases as we love him. And to fall more in love with our Father, we must talk with him. And God gives us a way. He gives us a way in prayer to know him, to love him, to adore him, to thank him, and to make our requests known to him. We're going to have a time of prayer together now. As we consider that question, God, what are you inviting me to What's the next step that you are inviting me to take with you? Even earnestly asking and seeking to be baptized in the Spirit, to be clothed with power. And this is the perfect time for you to pray with one of our prayer ministers. There's too often that prayer ministers are invited to the front and they're just in the best position to watch you leave. <laughs> Friends, being courageous in your spirit life, being courageous here in your faith will lead to you being courageous in your life at large. And that's what God wants, is your life at large. So if you feel a nudge and you feel a pull, come and just pray. Pray with our prayer ministers. Pray with one another. For God wants to give this promise, this inheritance, to all that he has invited. And your life is a part of making some believe in the truth of who Jesus is. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead us through a time of prayer. I'll have the worship team up. I'll have the prayer ministers up. I want us to, to be able to ask God about that question. And if you feel so inclined, come and pray with a prayer minister. We'll have, some, we'll, we'll have an opportunity to worship together, and we will respond to what the Lord is doing in us today. Heavenly Father, we, there's many words spoken, there's many things said today, Lord God, let us not be flooded. Let us not be flooded with the number of things that are presented here today, Lord God, but we want to respond to your invitation. Father God, I pray that you would, you would clear out that which is uh, not needed for, for those right now uh, and pray that wherever their, their seed is in its life cycle, Lord God, I pray that you would give them the water and clarity they need to respond to you. I pray, Lord God, if some are seeking here, that you would put the seed of faith and hope in their hearts today. 
Father God, if, if there are some that are desiring to be filled with your power, to be about your good purposes, Father God, I pray that your spirit would fall upon them today. I pray if someone just needs to pray with someone, that they would be bold and stand and go and pray. Father God, we adore you. We adore you by your many names. Father God, you are love. Father God, you are the banner of the people. Father God, you are compassion. We adore you for all these things that you are, but you are still one. God, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who you sent. There is no other God like Jesus. There is no other God who comes to us in the flesh, who even would dare to suffer and make himself low so that we may be made high, so that we may take, partake in a portion of God's life. God, I thank you and pray and request that your spirit, your spirit would be sent upon this people today. That, Lord God, that you, there would be faith that, God, you can move and touch their lives with power, with power, with, with love, with affection, to do things that we cannot do ourselves. Change our lives, God. We pray that's why we're here. Change our lives, God. Or, Lord God, as we pray and we sing to you, may our words be sweet smelling to you, be lovely to you, and would you allow us to live into your life more fully today. I pray in Jesus' holy name, God's people said, amen, amen. So please stand, let us worship our God, and if you have the desire, come and pray with our people.